welcome to the Tennis Coach Todd podcast. Today, my guest is Kevin Christensen from Rackets and Runners in Vancouver. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, Todd. Great, uh, great to be with you this morning. Thanks so much. Now, for those of you who don't know Kevin, Kevin is the general manager over at Rackets and Runners. And Kevin, how long have you been there? How many years have you been there? Uh, myself, personally, I've been here since 1997. Uh, yeah, I know it's a few moons, my friend, but but even longer, the store has been in existence since 1978. 1978. Yeah, we're going on to our, what is that, 43rd year, I guess? If my, yeah. Yeah. And um, that's been, so, I mean, Rackets and Runners, like, I mean, the name is pretty self-explanatory, but just give us a rundown a bit of what are the different sports that you guys uh, deal with there. <clears throat> Yeah, certainly. Um, obviously, racket sports. So we deal with uh, tennis, pickleball, which is obviously a huge growth, right. uh, badminton, squash, um, on the uh, running and walking shoes, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, as well as we do um, clothing. Uh, we do uh, some medical sports, sports medicine uh, equipment, bracing and, and the such, as well as uh, field hockey, which Oh. Odd as rackets and runs, you wouldn't think field hockey, but the two original owners that uh, uh, were, were brothers that started the store back in '78 uh, were both national field hockey players, and um, and thus carried uh, field hockey equipment, and uh, we've kind of continued with that uh, tradition uh, to this day. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, like I say, I didn't know that as well. So I guess um, has have you guys continued to kind of add uh, different products and kind of as the market and the the demographics and everything have changed? Have you guys continued to kind of mold your way through and, and find that uh, that area that needs to be filled? Yeah, you know what? It's it's interesting. I think the biggest uh, addition and and that's probably the last four or five years uh, really has been pickleball, and we've seen you know huge growth in that. Um, uh, over the years, the the store has sort of ebbed and flowed. We we used to carry um soccer boots and uh rugby and uh you know uh, baseball you know and i think uh i think what we decided uh, probably about seven or eight years ago really is to sort of focus in and hone in on you know kind of really what we do and and uh um and and be really uh, uh yeah focused on on that yeah well that makes sense you have to find the niche market or not the niche market you have to find the market that that what you guys do best and continue with it. Now, during these times, I mean, the last, well, I guess almost coming up to a year now, COVID has really been, you know, messing with a lot of us. How has that affected you guys over at Rackets and Runners? So, um, you know, we obviously in the beginning was very tricky, very tricky for everybody. We were we were still open uh, through the, the, you know, the end of March and, and April. And, uh, but, you know, our sales took a huge hit as, as did, you know, the, the world, unless you sold toilet paper and Lysol wipes. Um, but uh, when things started coming out in May, uh, it was quite interesting. You know, people really started getting back. They wanted to get out and they want to be able to do things. And I think we were very fortunate, not I think, we are very fortunate in, in that, you know, the, the, the product that we have, the things that we do, um, tend to lend themselves fairly well to, uh, to, to great social distancing, tennis being, you know, great social distancing sport, pickleball, you know, walking, running shoes, those types of things. And so our summer was really busy. Uh, you know, it was really interesting and so many new customers, uh, coming to, to, to get tennis rackets and people, you know, blowing the dust off of their, um, you know, their, their Prince Michael Changs from you know, the nineties <laughs> and, uh, you know, to get them restrung. And, and it's so a lot of people have either come out of the woodwork or, or really were wanting to begin tennis and, and our summer was in, you know, really quite busy. Um, so, you know, for us, I think it's just been 
you know, it, it, we work really hard and, and, you know, we like to think we do a good job, but uh, we got quite lucky in, in terms of uh, the things that we do are, are things that uh, people feel comfortable doing right now. Right. Well, I mean, there's, there's, I don't think there's any luck to it. Like I say, I've known you guys for quite a few years and, and when, when someone does something right, people will find them out. There's, there are still lots of choices out there. So if you guys are doing a good job, like you are, I'm sure that's why the people were there with you. So now if we, we talk a little bit about tennis for a few minutes here, what do you think that over the years you've been there, what's one of the biggest changes in tennis you've seen? Uh, In tennis? Uh, yeah. changes uh you yeah. mean in, in terms of equipment or in terms of um, participation or let's let's say equipment right now. equipment sure um i think the biggest um the biggest change in equipment has really been the the growth of um uh which is going to sound odd but the growth of uh, polyester strings monofilm oh. strings yeah you know quite interesting a lot of people think you know rackets have gotten lighter in the last sort of 15 years or so and and part of that really is uh, because there's so so much more spin in the game now than there was say 20 years ago and uh you know in order to generate spin as and, you know as you know you need to be able to generate the head speed to do so so the average weight of the rack in you know 20 years has probably come down about a uh, about an ounce or so um the the interesting thing with polyester strings is um, that every competitive player, like, you know, we'll see juniors that are playing competitive, they'll get to a certain point where they all will just, will use polyester. And then, and, you know, with, with poly, it, uh, you know, because players are hitting with so much more spin, um, durability becomes an issue. So polyester being a monofilament is, is the most durable string sort of going. But also you can do so much with it. Um, you know, we have uh, square-shaped polyester strings. It gets extruded and, and it's square-shaped, which will help bite the ball from a spin. You know, companies have done triangle-shaped uh, polys. Um, you know, the, the advantage of polyester being so much more durable is that you can go thinner with it and um and not necessarily hamper durability so you know we have thickness gauges uh you know like 19 gauge and 20 gauge really thin strings that we would just not have in any other type of string right right well that's right like i say um you know i did not expect that that's but that is good to know and you're i guess you know thinking back that has been a big change and i guess that's just a natural evolution of the game is as the game got more um more spinny and more spins were added and stuff i guess the the adaptation to the strings to be able to, to handle that spin was a big evolution now would you say that um uh is there any particular brand that's really a, a brand of string that's kind of taken off and leading this uh, particular charge or have they all been doing a pretty good job yeah i mean i you know i think the two two come to mind absolutely uh luxalon which is now owned by by wilson um is a company they believe they're uh, based in belgium and uh if my understanding is 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 correct they actually were in the medical business um and making sutures and you know for stitches in, in the medical business and kind of morphed into string um and the other would be uh Bablot and and probably you know i'm not putting one in front of the other but uh you know if i were i would you know Bablot being a you know a, such a, a a basis of a string company you know they made the first natural gut string kind of in the 1880s um you know they've won more grand slams than anybody else so they're you know they're i would say those two companies would be the two sort of pioneers and, and pinnacle of of the string industry um and no slag to anybody else that are making string mm-hmm. those are two the two probably the pinnacle uh, string companies and then lots of other great sting string um you know uh, from other companies as well yeah well there are like i say there are a lot of brands out there and everyone's trying to to change things up and and move things 
as they go along now. Now, when we talk about, I guess, the, the, the you know, the tennis players coming into, into rackets and runners, what do you feel, um, what level are, are, would you say, would there be any particular level that you guys mostly service or is it the whole gamut of, of, of levels and ages? Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we do get the full gamut. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, our, our largest consumer would probably be that 3.5, 4.0 kind of really, you know, solid club player um but uh you know it's it's you know it's wonderful when we get uh, little six-year-old kids coming in and get their first bracket mm-hmm. we love you know fitting them up and you know get them to the dampener jar and you know the, the amount of time and care and effort that they put in trying to find the, the the right dampener for the racket is more more effort than they put in uh you know choosing the racket for sure but uh yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's great. I think, uh, you know, having the little ones involved in the process, you know, it, it really gives them a vested interest in, uh, you know, in, in, in the sport for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. Like, I mean, we, we often say that, I mean, um, tennis is a, is a game for life that can be played, you know, when we, when kids start off earlier, even when people take them up, take up the sport a little bit later, you know, they can continue on for, for well into their 70s, 80s. And I think them, you know, even some 90 year olds are playing it out there. So it's, it is a great sport to get involved in. It's nice to, to have the kids involved there. Mm-hmm. Now, if we, we jump over now, you know, the strings being, you know, maybe the biggest change, let them talk about rackets for a couple of yeah. minutes here. Now, um, what do you think? I mean, in the last 10, 15, 20 years, what are some of the big changes you've noticed in the, in the rackets? So I, I touched on it a little bit earlier. I think, you know, mm-hmm. about 20 years ago, you know, I think the average weight of a racket has come down and that's been sort of a necessity of, of uh, more and more spin in the game and, and able mm-hmm. to help generate uh, head speed. Um, the, uh, uh, the direction really we've seen companies really in the last sort of five years, it's interesting, you know, the, for, for more full type, full swing type brackets, you know, Bablot has been quite popular and, you know, the pure drive and the pure arrow, um, um, a series of rackets and they would have a little bit more rigidity, a little bit more pop and power. And, um, what we've seen in the last sort of couple generations has been, um, a, uh, uh, a shift to trying to make the rackets a little bit softer to increase a little bit more ball feel and a little bit more control. So, uh, you know, the, the current pure dive, for instance, um, that came out, uh, in the fall, um, and the full series will be out in, in February, March is the softest pure drive. I think Bablot's ever made really, you know, and that will just help from a control and, and, and ball feel standpoint. Would you say that that's maybe the most popular racket that you guys sell, or, or what would be the most popular racket you guys sell? Yeah, you know, from from a from a pure. Whenever Bablot changes one of their big uh, two um, uh, sort of silos or, or um, flagship uh, styles of rackets, whether it be the Arrow or the Pure Drive, that the new version of that racket is the number one selling racket in the world. So, the Pure Drive came out this fall. Um, this fall, actually, uh, there was another iconic racket that had changed. It's uh, the Wilson Pro Staff, and um, you know that uh, that came out in the fall as well, and it was uh, so insanely popular. We, uh, um, you know, we 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 bought double what we thought we were going to need, and we're pretty much sold out by November. Yeah, wow, crazy. that's really good. Then that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. If, I guess for tennis players, if they don't jump on it quick, then there's that waiting line, and they, they hate that for sure. Yeah, so I guess uh, just a memo for anyone out there looking, wanting the new products, you better get in there quick to get it. Now, like you say, you've been with Rackets and Runners um, for, oh, geez, over 20 years now. Yeah. Um, what would you say, I mean, 
within tennis itself, where would you say it's peak in popularity? Has it continued to grow? Was there a bit of a spike? Did you notice it any in the last 20 some years or, or where is it most popular? Do you think? So uh, most popular for, for, for tennis really, I would say would be kind of that, you know, late eighties, early nineties, you know, was very, very popular. Um, uh, you know, and then kind of mid late nineties, it took a bit of a dip, but, um, golfer I'm, I'm not sure if people have ever heard of him called tiger woods came to <laughs> came to the forefront and uh, really got uh, a lot of people off off the tennis courts and onto the golf course so um uh but we've really seen the last sort of six years or seven years a lot of growth and um you know and i think uh you know we're seeing it right across the gamut and uh you know i think with the introduction of pro progressive tennis uh you know the the different uh, junior balls has uh done a really great job in, in in keeping a lot of kids in the sport and you know whenever you want to grow a sport you know it's like a uh, pyramid you have to have a really strong base and you know and, and you, you kind of grow from there and if we can keep kids in the sport more kids will will continue to play and then this you know the the uh, the health of the sport i think is uh, is is going to be strong yeah you know what you're absolutely right and i couldn't agree with you more i mean it's 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 tough enough to hold kids in sports with with all the ways that they're pulled but if we can get more and more of them into into the sport earlier um that means they're going to fall in love with it earlier and then that's going to be able to hopefully to, to, to keep them going and build them up through their adulthood and so on. So, you know, it is really good to have that base there for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, and as you know, Todd, like, uh, you know, any sport, anything you start young, um, you know, you, you have that kind of, you develop that natural stroke, whether it's you know, golf or right. tennis or whatever it is that you do that, uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, develop the hand-eye coordination that, that tennis has. It's great. It lends itself to so many other sports and uh, um, not that we're, you know, wanting to push people out of tennis and going into other things, but hand-eye right. coordination is, is huge for such a, a variety of uh, activities that, uh, that we do. Right. Now, um, and still in regard to tennis, I want to talk about one thing I think a lot of people don't think as much about in tennis is, is shoes. I mean, um, a lot of times, sometimes a shoe for me, at least when I hear people talking, it's more of like, okay, you know, what is a good color? I got to wear this or that. But what are some of the, again, I guess maybe the most popular or most important things when uh, when a person is looking for a tennis shoe, what should they consider? Yeah, it, you know, it's really interesting you say that. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to make this quick little point. Um, you know, Roger Federer, who uh, was a Nike-sponsored athlete for years and had uh, switched sponsorship and he's now with Uniqlo. Uh, they don't they do not do footwear. So uh, Fed's wearing uh, Nike shoes and he's not getting paid anything for it. So it kind of gives you an idea of how important shoes are, uh, you know, up the, you know, apart from the, the racket and strings, it is the most important piece of equipment they'll have. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I mean, there's not much more when you, when you think of it from racket and strings, but, you know, footwear is, is so huge. And, and, uh, you know, from a, from a fit, from a, uh, uh, you know, the, durability aspect for a lot of players you know really in tennis shoes you kind of look at two main sort of silos you look at uh, shoes that are going to be light and durable and you look at shoes that are going to be hardy and more substantial you know how do you make a shoe light and durable well you have you take a little bit away from it but it's a, it's a tricky thing to to take uh, material away from a tennis shoe and and help remain it being stable and solid and you know so when, what we look for is you know fit fit is paramount you know uh, uh, I, I get the, you know, I, I get the function or the, the fashion part of it for sure, but function has to trump fashion. 
all day long, mm-hmm. all day long. You know, I don't get too many people that get, uh, you know, that come in that are injured because they're wearing the wrong pair of shorts or the wrong shirt. But people that right. are injured because they've been in the wrong footwear or wrong shoe. So uh, the, the fit and functionality uh, is is absolutely paramount. Excellent. And, that, and I guess that's something I know that you guys, um, you know, take a lot of care in that. So, you know, if someone comes in, I know that you'll spend a lot of time with them, getting them to fit to the right size and the right width and everything else. Like, so I guess, I mean, when someone comes in for some new tennis shoes, it's, it's a bit of a process. It's not just uh, slap them on and walk out the door. No, no, not at all. You know, the, part of, part of our business and, and, you know, something we take great pride in is, uh, you know, we, we fit footwear, we fit shoes. We, we deal, do a lot of medical based referral fits, uh, uh, from a variety of different uh, agencies, whether it's you know, Mary Pack Arthritis Center, um, you know, lots of podiatrists, podiatrists, GF Strong, like, mm-hmm. you know, so from that aspect, we, we really uh, take a great pride in fitting footwear. Um, and, uh, you know, someone, come, someone is coming in looking for a pair of tennis shoes, we, you know, from that standpoint, the, you know, shoes are going to fit in different widths and obviously lengths will vary a little bit. Um, durability issues, some will be more durable than others. But then there's a lot of players that, you know, play with orthotics and, uh, you know, some of the lighter shoes may not be as orthotic friendly as, you know, something that might be a little bit more solid or substantial. So, you know, we need to take all these things into account and, and uh, you know, and also find out if there's any uh, underlying uh, issues uh, that we need to take into account as well. Some that may be suffering from plantar fasciitis or those types of issues will help determine what direction we would go in terms of uh, getting the proper footwear. Right, right. Now, that's, yeah, that's like I say, I think it's really important. Like I say, I mean, for me, being like a tennis coach, being on my on my feet for seven, eight, nine hours a day standing up, it's something that I want to have to be, um, you know, comfortable, but at the same time, when I need to run, I need to be, have the support there as well. Now, every time I came into Rackets and Runs, it's been a, it's been a busy place. It's full of activity. You've got a big staff, got people going everywhere. Have you guys ever thought about, you know, maybe expanding to somewhere else in the in the Lower Mainland? Is there any any thoughts, ideas? Are you, you know, is that something we can look forward to, or are you guys still not going to give me any secrets right now? Um, so, uh, well, no, no secrets right now. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding, but uh, uh, you know, we've. Uh, you know, through this 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 past year, we've concentrated on our online business, um, actually developing an online business, and that's that kind of you know the amount of work and effort and energy that that goes into that is is almost like having a second store. So, right now, you know, we are working hard and concentrating on on that part of our business, uh, to which I I just don't I would not foresee us opening up a, a, another store in the next uh, near future. Right. Well, no, and that makes perfect sense. I mean, like I say, the whole the whole world has shifted more and more to be to be online. So, um, you know, to be able to have that access and to be able to, you know, for that, that way you can really with with the online presence. And I know you guys are at racketsandrunners.ca. With that online presence, you guys can be able to get people from all over the lower mainland. Um, everything's becoming more streamlined and shipping more and more people are becoming comfortable with doing it that way. So, you know, and I, I think that's probably the best way. Um, to go yeah. about things so yeah, one, one of the idea. things that we, we we really felt because we do get people from all over the place and especially on the stringing end of things it's been so busy you know sometimes people call and say hey can I get a racket done and you know we really try to get it done if we can but you know it's just some days it's it's crazy busy we we have um uh, on our website have come up with a, a, a appointment booking system where you know if someone's coming from the north shore they're going to be on this side of the water <clears throat> say on you know on Thursday they can book an appointment and uh, we'll we'll keep a you know a half hour 
a spot open for them to come in and we, they can get the racket done while they wait. So um, that was something that we, we we thought was really important, and 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 we you know we don't take lightly that you know people's time and understand that you know they come from quite quite a distance for for our services, and we're very appreciative of that. So that is something that we've uh, we've done to hopefully help with uh, you know people making this venture in. You know what? I, I really like that because, um, you know, I spent many years over on the North Shore and, um, you know, sending many people over your way to get strings. And, and you know, they love the service. The only thing they said is sometimes you're right. It's, it's too busy and that's not a fault of your own. Or, you know, they, you know, and people out here on the West Coast in Vancouver, it's tough enough to get them to drive across one bridge. But when they got to go across two, that becomes even more so. You know, uh, kudos to you guys for putting that in because I think that would make a big difference. I know that myself as well, if I was over the North Shore and I knew that, hey, you know, I want these, these experts to string my racket. I know that I'm going to come in there, get an appointment and it's going to be done. Um, you know what? That's, that's really good. I, I really yeah, do like that a lot. Yeah. Now, I guess if we talk about, um, you know, frequency of change and everything, I mean, I know there's no general set rule, but maybe there is. How often do you think a player should change maybe their string shoes or even racket? Sure. Um, you know, a lot of the, most of the string companies have, have come up with this sort of idea. And, and I, I would say polyester might be a, a little exception to this, but, um, you know, generally they'll say the strings will last between 30 and 50 hours of play. Um, and it's quite easy to think of, think of an elastic band and elastic band just flexing. And, you know, over time, you know, it'll flex and flex and flex until one of two things will happen and it'll lose its elasticity or it'll break. Mm-hmm. And so what will happen, string will, uh, when they sort of lose their elasticity, uh, a lot of players find that they're not having a hard time getting the ball to the back of the court. And it's generally that the string has, you know, they look at their arm and thinking they need to maybe get back into the gym. And it's not necessarily that. It's that the string has just dried out. So so most companies will say, you know, however many times you play a week is how often you should string your racket a year. So if you're playing three times a week, every kind of four months, three or four months is when you should be doing it. Now with polyester, um, the, one of the downsides to polyester is that uh, the durability of poly is, uh, or sorry, the uh, the the ability for polyester to retain tension isn't great. So a lot of uh, stringing experts, so to speak, will say, you know, if you're not breaking poly within 50 hours of 15 hours of play, maybe you shouldn't be playing with it. I don't know if that's might be a little bit elitist, but. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, it, it does, it is, you know, we do get players that will come in that just really like play with poly and, you know, the strings just bag out to the point. So they're, they're not even changing them when they're broken. They're changing them. Uh, we're just cutting them out because they've, they've bagged out. Um, <clears throat> so to talk about footwear, um, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, for a lot of people, they look from a footwear standpoint, they look at really the outer sole of the shoe, you know, and they're like, oh, it still has tread on it. And I've had these shoes for five years, so they should still be good. And and that's not necessarily the case. Just, you know, uh, really what to the, the support and the cushioning you get from a shoe is the midsole of the shoe. It's kind of that white foam that the outer sole is stuck onto. And that will, uh, whether, you know, if you're not really hard on shoes, you don't drag a lot, you're still compacting that midsole down. So, um, you know, you'll lose cushioning, you'll lose support, uh, more susceptible to injury as that happens. So I would say, you know, if you're playing a couple times a week, you know, and you're not really hard on shoes, like if you get a, you know, if you, if you're getting a year out of your tennis shoes, I think you're doing really well. Um, uh, Hernan on staff, uh, who played some college tennis, uh, would go through shoes, um, you know, in about three weeks. So if you kind of understand when people come in and say, well, I've only had these for a year and I go, well, you know, here's this university kid that would get, you know, three weeks out of a shoe. So don't feel so bad, right. you know? 
yeah. Right. And then uh, did did we talk about rackets or? No, we have. What about what do you think? When's a good time for a person to you know change yeah. up that racket? I mean, you know, like you say, a lot of times they they hit a few misses and they think it's the racket. But I mean, realistically, when do you think racket? Yeah. So. You know, again, it will depend on uh, a variety of things. Really, you know, uh, stringing rackets is, is the second hardest thing you'll do to a racket. The hardest will be, you know, smashing it on the ground. They don't usually like that very much. But the second is cutting tension out and putting tension back on. And so the more and more you do that, the softer the racket gets. I mean, every time you hit the ball, the racket flexes and it softens up a little bit. So, so if you think of that kind of 4.5 player, um, you know, that has a couple of rackets that's, you know, stringing, uh, you know, two, two rackets or three rackets a month kind of idea. They will generally go through their pair, their two or three rackets every couple of years. It just sort of bags out over time to where they're, they're just not getting the, the, the pop that they would have before that. I think, the, you know, perhaps a more recreational player uh, that's not hitting the ball as hard, you know, rackets could last a little bit longer. Uh, but also I think it, you know, it also depends on, on, on that, on the player, you know, if they, they got a racket that they're beginning and they're, you know, taking lessons and, and really trying to grow their, 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 their game. Um, you know, some players as they develop will need to change rackets because of ability. And, uh, you know, generally we'll see players starting to maybe needing to go get into rackets. That'll be a little bit heavier because having more mass behind the ball will give you more spin, more pace, more depth. The racket will be more stable. So there's a few different uh, ways to answer that question. Yeah, no, that's true. And I guess one of the biggest things is if they, if they feel they're not getting the response that they've expected over a while is to yeah. come in and talk to you guys and be able to, to, to walk them through because it is quite a maze to, to when you are changing rackets, especially as a, as a new player trying to figure out, okay, where's my, the next step up. So um, yeah, sending them into you, letting you guys uh, take them into your capable hands and sending them off to the next level. Yeah. You know, it's thing. interesting. We'll get some folks that will have a racket that maybe they haven't changed a string in four or five years and they feel that they need to get a new racket. And often we go, well, you know, let's, let's put in a 30, $35 string. Let's put in a fresh string and see how it performs. And sometimes it's just the string, you know, but what you're doing is you're giving that racket as fair a shot as possible. So when, uh, you know, someone wants to come in and, you know, I, I, I would recommend going through the demo process, trying different rackets out. At least you know that the rack that you had um, is as you've given it as fair a shot as you can. And then when you're trying new rackets, you, it, it's not, there's no doubt that, you know, you find something you'll enjoy playing better with. It's not the fact that you just needed to change string. It's, actually getting into a new racket entirely right well, that's some great that's a great advice now if we look into 2021 we started this year just you know we're a little bit over maybe not quite half a month through or whatever what would you say or what would you see as maybe some of the one or two of the 2021 must-have tennis products and, uh, you know something that the players should be saying hey you know what i want to put this in my bag or maybe he's made some some big impact um recently well uh, some of the new rackets, some of the new uh, series of rackets, we touched base a little bit earlier on them. But, uh, you know, there's been, uh, you know, and, and this time of year, it's always fun. We haven't seen all the new products. And, and generally right around you know, Australia, you, you start seeing a lot of new products for an upcoming year. But, um, you know, I would say the, the, the new Pro Staff series, the, the new uh, Babla Pure Drive series, 
um, as well as the new uh, V Core series from Yonex, which Yonex has really grown in popularity in the last four or five years. I think they've done a great job, and uh, you know, in their in their product selection, but also they've sponsored you know lots of really great young players and. Uh, um, uh, the new V cores, uh, we're really bullish on. We we haven't received them yet. We've had we have some uh, playing or you know hitting demos. We've had them for a couple of weeks, <clears throat> and some of the guys and staff that have hit with them have really really liked them. So, um, you know, I'd say those three um, for on the racket end of, uh, right now that I can think of would be really you know really popping and really popular for twenty twenty one, and. Uh, uh, Nike has uh, changed their uh, the, the Vapor X and Vapor Ten, the, the shoe that Fed wears. There's a uh, a new Vapor coming out for while well, they've been having some uh, production and, and there's been some delays, but we probably won't see them for another month or so. But the new the new Vapor uh, uh, NXT, I think, is going to be really popular, uh, as well as uh, Asics. On you know, we talked about footwear, you know. We, talk about Nike being very dominant, or maybe we haven't talked about that, but um, Asics is a very dominant brand in tennis, and they've changed one of their big shoes called the Solution Speed that, that um, you know, it's been about three years since they've changed it, and, and uh, we're, we're really uh, anticipating uh, great things from them. Excellent. <laughs> well, that's really, yeah, that's some good advice. I know that a lot of tennis players, like say they're, they're eager looking for that springtime and when this, um, when they can get out and play more. So I'm sure they'll be trying to fill their bags and their feet with some of those items. Now, before I let you go there, Kevin, I just have a couple questions for you. Now, who is your favorite tennis player and why? Um, so I'm, I'm going to answer this twice and, um, I'm sorry if I'm rambling, you know, this, <laughs> I, I could, this podcast no could, could last, uh, you know, three hours, but, um, uh, my my yeah, exactly my, my my all-time favorite is Bjorn Borg. That was the reason that I started playing, and um, it was just you know he was that elegant player, and and it was such a, a you know I think a really great time, and you know in, in tennis you had you know for a couple of years you had Borg and McEnroe, and you had Borg was everything good and pure in the world, and Mac was well the opposite and and it was kind of like good versus evil a little bit and you know being a young guy and and, and seeing that you you know borg was my idol you know um i think of of, mm -hmm. of recent uh, players and you know there's lots but i you know i i'm i'm, I'm and i'm not going to be that original I, i'm you know i think uh, uh roger Federer for me has been just such a uh, you know wonderful ambassador you know to the sport and you know he and Nadell you know I think they really have a really strong understanding that um, you know it's it's bigger than them it's not about just them winning or losing it's about growing the sport and uh, they understand their role in it uh, you know I think and I think they do you know a really great job and and uh, you know it's been a very special time in tennis. Uh, you know, I alluded back to Borg and McEnroe and that was a couple of years and, and, you know, and you had that really great rivalry and, you know, and I think the, you know, the, the Fed Nadal rivalry is, uh, you know, it's really quite special. And, you know, I think when the sport is doing well, you know, I think you really have these really great rivalries and, uh, both on the men and the women's side. And, and it really draws people to watching the sport and, you know, and, and people that aren't even necessarily tennis players know what's going on. Say if it's, uh, 
you know, the Australian Open final of a couple of years ago when it was uh, when it was Nadal and you know Federer. People that weren't really tennis fans knew that that was going on, you know. And, and what it does is when people see players and they see uh, they're watching the sport, they're like, oh, you know, that's something I think I want to do. And then that you know brings them into you know, looking to maybe start getting some lessons, you know, uh, or getting your, getting your racket. So uh, those, uh, those two in a long drawn out way would be my two favorites. Yeah. And I think you, I think you're absolutely right. Those are, those are some great players. And I think you alluded to it earlier as well about the popularity of the sport. Um, when you've got personalities in whatever sport it is, if you've got these personalities that are, you know, bigger in life or that really appeal to the masses. I mean, that's what really helps drive that sport. And you can go through the 80s with, like you say, Borg and McEnroe, that kind of yeah. battle there, good versus evil. Uh, then, you know, Tiger coming in and taking away a lot of the spotlight later on, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And now again, back to tennis with, with you know, everyone singing out the swan song almost for Federer and Nadal and even yeah. Djokovic here in the next little while. So those personalities really do draw people into Absolutely. the sports. Absolutely. And like, you know, let's not forget about, uh, you know, Andre Agassi and, and, you know, Pistol Pete and, you know, I mean, just, you know, just these yeah. great storylines that, uh, you know, that, you know, different types of players and, you know, different, uh, uh, mm -hmm. skill sets and, and bringing them together. And, and, you know, it's really, it's, I mean, it's entertainment, right? And that's what we are for yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what exactly want. Now I got one more question for you and I hope this doesn't get you in yeah. too much trouble with your staff, but, um, uh, if there was a, a tennis tournament, who would win the tournament at the Rackets and Runners? In the <sighs> um, you know, I think uh, like a current current staff. I'd probably go with uh, I'd probably go with Hernan and play some college sport. We have some okay. really great young players on staff, though. Um, you know, really great young players. But uh, you know, I think Hernan, you know, the crafty veteran, I think would 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 be able to hold his own for sure. But uh, yeah, and and would would Kevin get a runner up? Kevin is going to be the guy that the uh, will be there rubbing shoulders, um, you know, rubbing arms and buying the beers afterwards <laughs> all day long. So Kevin would definitely would be more. I'd, I'd be in the skybox, you know, uh, um, you know, chatting with uh, with the press and uh, um, you know and, and the socialites. But uh, you would not. I would not want to be the guy that is going to be representing rackets and runners in, in any major tournament for sure. There we go. Well, Hernan's going to owe you yeah, beer after sure. that little shout yeah. out for him too. Exactly. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. I really do appreciate your time coming on here with me. And I'm, I'm sure that the listeners are going to get a lot of information. I know that I learned a lot. Um, you know, I've been involved in this sport for quite a few years, but there are a lot of things that you, you uh, informed me and uh, the listeners about that was was really beneficial, and uh, I really, Todd, really thanks for thanks for reaching out. We really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to doing this again sometime. Absolutely, and just for again for remember, uh, Rackets and Runners here in Vancouver they're located at thirty eight eighty Oak Street. Um, they've got a good online presence. They can reach at racketsandrunners.ca. Um, just in closing off again, people just want to say that this wouldn't be uh, wouldn't this podcast wouldn't be available except for Togar. And the big importance that that is in my life. Thank you very much. And if you have any questions or comments uh, and you want to learn more, you can go to tenniscoachtodd.com. That's tenniscoach.com. And remember, players, when you're playing doubles, if you did not win, it might have been your partner's fault. Take care.